Well, we're talking about kids, and uh, while we're talking about kids, I just need to make a confession about my own kids, is that um, I've discovered that my kids sometimes lie. Uh, I, I know, I know, I know your kids don't. Your kids don't. Uh, it's just my kids, but my kids sometimes lie. Sometimes my kids tell me that they were somewhere and they were actually somewhere else. I know no other parents have ever had this this uh, uh, this situation, but it happened to me. You know, a child says to me, uh, I went to the library after school. And then I find out that actually they went to the shops. Uh, you know, they told me they were in this place and then they went to that place. And then someone invented an app called... Uh, find my. Does anyone know this? It's a little app on your phone and you can put in people's mobile numbers and then you can know exactly where they are. It's brilliant. You should get it. You'd know where your husband is all the time. <laughs> and so I can open this up and I can see a map and I can see a little dot, uh, three little dots of my children or I can know where they are whenever. And I thought, this is great. There'll be no more doubt. There'll be no more uncertainty. I'll know where they are all the time. Except that now my children tell me, well, Dad, the app's not accurate all the time. You know? And, and sometimes the dot, uh, the dot sort of isn't exactly where, where I am. Um, and I know it looks like I was in the shops, but the library's right next to the shops. And actually, I was in the library. The dot's just not quite in the right place. Do you know what I mean? I really was there. The dot just, it just sort of moves around some. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's close, it's, it's cl but it's not close to that many metres. It's Anyway, the point was, I thought with this app, I thought I'd found certainty, right? I thought all my doubts were gone and I'd found absolute certainty, but doubt remains. And I thought, actually, you know, life is a bit like that, isn't it? In life a bit like that, we find things in life and we think, now I'll be certain. Now I know for certain. But then you realise there are still doubts. What you, what you thought would give you certainty doesn't and your doubts remain. Uh, we're in this series that we're calling Overcomer, um, where we're recognising that many of us live life with a sense of being overcome. And there are things like fear and anxiety and temptation and loss and failure and doubt that overcome us. And one of the things that the last two years has shown us, or one of the things that the last two years has really done for many of us, is to increase our sense of doubt, to increase our sense of doubt big time. For many of us, we would say, you know, life used to be predictable. Life used to be normal. Life used to be stable. Life used to be certain. But in the last two years, life has become predictably unpredictable and certainly uncertain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that there were news reports of some little bizarre virus in a, country, in a little town or city in China that we'd never heard of. And people were asking, is that going to come to Australia? And then it came and people were asking, is it going to be a big deal? And then it, it turned into a big deal and people said, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be safe? 
And then someone said, maybe we could create a vaccine against it. And people said, well, will we be able to do that? Will we be able to create a vaccine against this new virus? And, and then we did. And then people said, is the vaccine safe? Is it okay? Can we trust those scientists? You know, the people who invented this, when they said, we've invented this thing, and it, it, it's going to be fantastic. Can we trust that? What's going to happen with all these restrictions? You know, these things that change all the time. You can go here, you can't go there, you can have this many people in your house, you know, you can do this. What's going to happen without it? It all seems so uncertain. There's all so much confusion and so much doubt around those things. Do we still have to wear masks? Do masks work anyway? You know, someone starts to say masks don't actually stop the virus, they're just, you know... We've got all this uncertainty and all these doubts. Because it's not just about COVID, is it? We live with doubts and uncertainty about our jobs, about our families. Uh, we sit here this morning having just had a state election in, in our city, in our state, you know, and, and, and people are saying, well, like, there's a new government. Can we trust this new government? You know, are they going to be better than the last lot? Are they going to be worse than the last lot? What are they going to do? They're going to change some things. They're not going to change some things. I'm just not sure anymore. I've got so many doubts. And in the midst of those doubts stands Jesus saying, trust me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. In the midst of all of our uncertainty stands a Christian faith saying there is a rock-solid foundation that you can build your life on. And if we're really honest, you know, the kind of honesty that you don't like to admit to in church, if we're really honest, some of us have doubts about that too. You know, we get all these stories about these people we've never met. I mean, did these people even exist? You know, we've, we've got a, a book that was put together from writings that are 2,000 years old, or, or is that 4,000 years old, or is, it, or is it older than that? Can we believe this stuff? Is this real? Is this just all some great big uber-complex fairy tale story that someone's put together? I mean, Jesus doesn't even have an Instagram page that we can check on. You know what I'm saying? There's no YouTube. There's no you exactly. There's no YouTube clips. He said, you know, we've got these stories that he said these things, but how do we know? Where's the evidence? Where's the where's the proof of all this stuff? I mean, is Christian faith really? Is it really a rock solid foundation for us? Is Jesus really a path to living life with certainty? I mean, is there any path to living life with certainty? And if there is, how do we get there? And that's what this series is about. That's what we've been doing in this series is, is sort of digging into those questions and looking to explore those questions. And today, as I've kind of uh, intimated, we're going to get in and talk about doubt and talk about overcoming doubt, asking ourselves, is that possible? And if it's possible, how? And I want to start with good news. And the good news is this, is that if you're a person who lives with some sense of doubt, if there are some things in your life, if you look at some things in faith and you think, deep down, I'm not really 
sure, I'm not really certain about that. I want to tell you, you're not alone. When Matthew and Mark and Luke and John sat down individually and when they collected stories and memories of the life of Jesus, when they sat down to write a biography of the life of Jesus, they didn't avoid the stories where people had doubts and uncertainty. They didn't put together nice, neat stories where everyone believed and it was all, you know, it was all happy and agreeable. They didn't try to tell the stories in a way that minimised the doubts or left those people and those details out. In fact, it seems to me they did almost the exact opposite. The stories that they tell us is almost like they were collecting the stories of all these people who had uncertainty, who had doubts, who weren't sure if Jesus was who he said he was, who weren't sure if the things that he said he was going to do, he was actually going to do. And the stories from the life of Jesus are full of stories of people essentially saying, I'm just not sure. Here's one of the stories that Mark tells in his gospel. This is Mark chapter 8. Write it down. You can read it again when you get home. Mark remembers this story. Uh, They're in a crowd. Jesus is teaching. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, it's another uh, word for Jesus, name for him. Teacher, I bought you my son, who's possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, the spirit that is, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, mouth, he gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. But when the spirit saw Jesus, this is the spirit in the, in the boy. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion right there in front of Jesus. Threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. This is what, listen to what the father says next. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This man comes to Jesus. We don't know the man's name. Seems like he's part of a crowd that are listening to Jesus teach and do things. And the man comes and sort of puts up his hand or moves to the front of the crowd and says, I need to talk to you about my son, about my boy, because he's been struggling with these seizures for years. And he talks through the details, and I'm a parent for those. I mean, just you know, imagine having a, a child living with those sort of, you know, foaming at the mouth and becoming rigid and those seizures. And it's really clear that the father is desperate for help. And it doesn't say it, but the the, the suggestion clearly is that the father sort of tried everything and nothing's worked. And he comes to Jesus and he says, if you could do anything, could you help with this? It's the language of doubt. If you could do this, 
And Jesus responds saying, what, if you can? What do you mean, if you can? He makes this crazy bold statement, everything is possible for the one who believes. And then the boy's father responds with this beautiful honesty. When he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And this story, you should bookmark, many of us should bookmark this story in our Bibles because this story gives hope to many of us who have doubts. To anyone who wants to believe but finds it hard, this story, I mean, many of us are like that, that dad, aren't we? We come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, if you could help, you know, if, if there's any way you could do anything, that would really be awesome. You know, I, I believe, I, I, I want to believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Because there's a part of me that just isn't sure. I've heard that you can do things for other people. I've seen you from a distance do things from other people. But could you do anything for me? The writers of the Bible don't hide the doubt. They don't ignore it. They don't try and gloss over it. I mean, even when Jesus rose from the dead, they don't ignore the fact that some people, even in that moment, had doubts. This is how John tells that story. John chapter 20. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, he's got a nickname, I don't know kind of what that's all about, but Thomas uh, or Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples uh, were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. For whatever reason, and we don't know the reason, Thomas wasn't there the first time uh, that the rest of the disciples saw the risen Jesus. Now remember... They didn't expect they were going to see Jesus, right? This, was, this wasn't on their calendar, meet the resurrected Jesus. They were just together and Jesus shows up. So, of course, they tell him about it later. They see him the next day or the day after. You would not believe, excuse me, you would not believe what happened to us last night. We saw Jesus. But Thomas has got his doubts. I mean, Thomas is surely like, Sorry, you saw Jesus alive, right? The Jesus that we saw crucified. Because I've seen a lot of people get crucified. It's a regular thing here. And you know what? All of them died. And I've known a lot of people who've died. I've seen some people die. 
And you know what? No matter how they died, no matter when they died, no matter the cause of their death, there's one thing that all dead people have in common. You know what that is? They stay dead. That's right. And now you're telling me that Jesus that we saw die is alive. I don't believe you. Unless I can see the nails in his hands, because I saw those nails go in. Unless I can see the nail prints in his hand. Unless I can put my finger in there and feel that scar. Unless I can put my hand in his side, because I saw the spear go in his side. Unless I can feel that wound, I won't believe. Thomas gets a bad rap in this story. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase a doubting Thomas? We still use it today sometimes. You know, people, you're a doubt. Well, that's where this is where that phrase comes from, right? And it's easy to look at Thomas like he's kind of not a good disciple. You know, there were good ones and not good ones, right? And he's not a good one. But let's be honest. Who wouldn't be just a little bit like Thomas? You know what I'm saying? Because the truth is, many of us would be like Thomas, wouldn't we? In fact, many of us are like Thomas. We'll believe when we see proof. Not someone else telling us their proof, when I've got proof myself. Most of us are sceptical. Many of us, most of us are sceptical of things that are new or strange or that seem a little bit unbelievable. And the catch is that the Christian faith is full of things that are new and strange and a little bit unbelievable, aren't they? The Jesus story is full of things that make us want to doubt. Did that really happen? Did Jesus really do that? Did he really say that? Did that person really exist and respond to him like that? And if that's you in any way, if that's you in any way, I want to give you two really practical ways forward that we learn from these stories. The first thing I think we learn from these stories is really importantly, and some of you really need to hear this, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to have doubts and questions and uncertainty around the things of faith. If there's anything that these stories teach us is that Jesus wasn't offended. Jesus wasn't shocked. Jesus wasn't upset. Jesus doesn't shame the dad in front of anyone, uh, in front of the crowd. Jesus doesn't unfriend Thomas when this happens. These stories tell us that as far as Jesus is concerned and the writers of the scriptures are concerned, that doubt is a normal and a natural thing. In fact, you could argue that doubt's actually a good thing in some senses, isn't it? I mean, if you had no doubt, if you just believed everything that anyone ever told you, if you believed everything you ever saw, then you would think that Macca's is a great way to feed your family, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would think that if you bought that new expensive four-wheel drive, then all of your family trips would just be full of wonder and adventure with your kids sitting in the back seat just looking out the window like this. <laughs> right? If you believed everything that you saw and read, you would think that if you spent all that money on step one undies, that the girls would just be flocking to you, right? 
Sorry, there's someone in the front row. It's all right. I'm, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> doubt is not a bad thing, and Jesus makes it clear that doubt is not a bad thing. A week later, when Thomas was there, it's Jesus that goes up to Thomas. Jesus doesn't avoid. It's Jesus that goes straight to Thomas and holds out his hands and says, here you are. You wanted proof? I'll show you the proof. That's fine with me. You asked a question. Here's your answer. You can touch. You can feel. You can look. You can put a hand on my side. And the message today for some of us who doubt is don't ignore those doubts. The first thing that Jesus wants to say to some of us is that your doubts are okay. Don't feel bad about having doubts. Jesus welcomes those doubts. Jesus welcomes you and Jesus loves you, doubts and all. It's okay to doubt. The second thing these stories teach us about doubt is that the solution to doubt is to dig. The solution to doubt is to dig. Now, it seems to me that there's a common misunderstanding that doubting things of faith is bad and that the solution to that is that you should just stop doubting and somehow believe. That you should just sort of have a conversation with yourself and say, I'll stop that and I'll just believe that all of this is true or that all of this is real or all of this is whatever it is. But Jesus' interaction with Thomas teaches us something very different, doesn't it? Because it's Jesus who says, you can dig, you can explore, you can look and you can feel. Thomas wanted answers and Jesus gave them to him. And the message for those of us who doubt is don't ignore those doubts. Don't run away from those doubts. Dig into them. Search for answers. Jesus welcomes that. Don't give up. Dig into those questions. Dig into those uncertainties. Dig into those doubts. You won't disappoint Jesus. He won't unfriend you. He welcomes your searching. Because here's the thing. Jesus is real. His, his story is true. The documents that we have are historically reliable. The claims that he makes stand up to critical analysis. And I'm not saying that so that you'll believe me. I'm not, I'm not making those statements so that you'll believe me. I'm making those statements to say, dig in for yourself to find that those statements are real and true. Because here's the thing. Whatever doubts you have, someone's had that same doubt before. Do you ever think about it that way? Whatever curly questions that you've come up with, you read a story in the Bible and you think, oh, what does it mean by this? Someone's asked that question before. Someone's dug into that text 
or that story or that reality or that piece of science or that piece of the world around us. Someone's dug into that and discovered an answer before. And I want to encourage you, dig in to your uncertainty. Search for answers. Explore the historical evidence. Because your questions and finding answers to those questions are way too important for you to give up on. The reality of Jesus in your life is way too important for you to give up on because you can't find a good answer to this or you can't find a good answer to that. And I just want to make a couple of quick comments about this digging. When I say dig into it, I don't mean ask a question of your opinionated uncle. right? I don't mean take a poll of your friends at uni and go, who thinks this is true, you know, yes or no, right? You know, the yeses have it. I don't mean believe whatever comes up on the very first search for, you know, on Google, you know, is, is Jesus real or yes or no. I'm talking about looking for experts, real experts. I'm talking about digging into academics and archaeologists and people who have for years uh, been searching for historical and archaeological evidence around the reliability and the truth of the Christian story because those people exist and that evidence exists. Dig into that. Dig in and keep digging. What I'm saying is just please don't give up. Don't walk away from Jesus because you have doubts. The answer to your doubts are far too important for you to give up. Jesus is too important for you to give up on because you've got a tricky question or because you've got a doubt or an uncertainty. We live in a world that seems to increasingly, increasingly question what's true. And maybe that's because we're becoming... Uh, more jaded, maybe that's because human beings are becoming more sceptical, more cynical. Or maybe it's because the world around us is becoming less trustworthy. You know, maybe it is that the world around us is feeding us more lies and that there's more deception in the world. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But I want to say to you this morning that whatever you think about those two statements, if you think it's one or the other or you think it's both, one thing that is in no doubt is that we are in need, as individuals and as community, we are in need of certainty more than ever before. There's, with so much uncertainty around us, we are in need of certainty more than ever before. We desperately, as individuals and as communities, we need to find a source of truth and stability and certainty that we can anchor our lives to in an increasingly uncertain and unstable world. And Jesus reaches out to us in our uncertainty, in our doubts, in our instability, and he says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Come to me and believe in me. And if all that seems a little bit far-fetched, if there's a part of you that wants to go, well, yeah, but. I want to encourage you today that your doubts are okay. Your doubts and your questions are welcomed here 
at this church because they're welcomed by Jesus. So please, don't give up on doubt. Don't let, don't let a doubt or a question be the thing uh, that makes you walk away from Jesus. Dig into the evidence and look for answers. Because if you dig deep enough, if you continue to dig and deep, dig deep enough, you will eventually find a saviour who says, put your fingers here and touch and feel that this thing is true. That I am real. That I am here. That I know you. That I love you and that you are mine. There is a path to overcoming doubt. There is a path to living with certainty and confidence and stability in life. There is a rock-solid foundation that you can build your life on. And that path and that foundation is a person. And that person is Jesus. He is the path to overcoming your doubts. He is the path to living with certainty and confidence. He is the path to moving from being overcome to being an overcomer when it comes to doubt and uncertainty in your life. And that is something worth pursuing with all that you have. 